praise team. Good to see you this morning. Everybody good? Fantastic. Glad that you're in the Lord's house. And uh, today I'm excited to bring a word to you from Romans chapter 7. I'll be reading that on the screen behind me here in a moment, or you can turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 7. I'm going to do a quick commercial. Brother Jason's going to follow up at the end of the service, but tonight begins our three-week session of Connect Class. So if you've been coming to Kavanaugh, but you've never joined the church and you're interested perhaps in joining or just wanting more information about who we are as a church, for the next three Sunday nights, tonight and the next two, uh, we're going to be going through the Connect class. Tonight, I get to teach the class. It's about who we are as a church. I'll talk a little bit about who we are as a denomination in Free Will Baptist, but I get to tell the story of Kavanaugh Church, and man, it's a good story. What a rich history that we have. Then next Sunday night, we'll talk about what we believe, and then the third Sunday night, we'll talk about how you can get plugged in and involved. So again, if you're interested in that, come tonight at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to be meeting in uh, the building across over here, the, the uh, educational building. Jason will give you more info on it, but uh, man, it's going to be awesome. Or if you just want to refresh your course on what we believe and who we are, show up the next three Sunday nights, okay? Oh, good. That was my commercial. I did it, man. Romans chapter 7. Uh, I want to talk to you today from what Paul said here. Here's what Paul said. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I don't really understand myself. <laughs> anybody, can anybody relate to that? I don't really understand myself. For what I want to do and what it's right to do, I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I've discovered this principle of my life. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody there? I love God's law with all of my heart. But there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, miserable man that I am. Who will free me from this life? that is dominated by sin and death? Well, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to my sin. Now, there's a lot of controversy over this passage in Romans chapter 7. In fact, I would say it's probably the most controversial passage that Paul has in the entire book of Romans. For years, theologians have been debating, who is Paul talking about here? Is he talking about a reprobate, somebody who is living out in sin, who has never come to faith in Jesus Christ? Or is he talking about himself? And if he's talking about himself, is he talking pre-conversion, that, that pre-Damascus Road event where he gave his life to Jesus? Or is he talking about himself as a believer in Jesus Christ? Or, or is he talking about just carnal Christians? Because in some translations, that word carnal appears. Who's he talking about? Well, I don't know that I really know the answer, but I, I'll tell you what I think, all right? What I think is... Paul is not describing a complete reprobate. In other words, somebody who is lost in their sins and they're outside of the church because those people really don't care what we're doing in here. 
They don't have a love for God's law like Paul talks about in this passage. They're without Christ, they're without hope, and they really don't care. I really don't think he's talking about that kind of person. He could be talking about himself pre-conversion because we know who Paul was. He was a Jew of the Jews. He was a Pharisee. He knew the law of God. And let me tell you, he loved the law of God. But yet he realized he couldn't keep the law. No one can keep the law. Or is he talking about himself post-conversion? I really feel like perhaps that's who he is talking about, himself as a believer. I've been a pastor for over 30 years, and I have talked to literally thousands of Christians who every day struggle with what Paul is describing here. I know God. I love God. I love God's Word. I want to do what is right, but you know what? Sometimes I just do the wrong thing. Can anybody relate to that? Are you there? Well, let's pray, and then let's ask God to speak to our hearts and show us the truth of his word. Lord, I pray that you would speak in your own special way to every heart that is here. As I try to speak on the outside, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us individually. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I got the direct mail piece in the mail. I used to read all these things. I don't read them anymore. I just throw them away. But this was a few years ago, and so I opened the envelope, and it was addressed to me, and here's what it said. If you have ever felt secretly fat or skinny, lazy or compulsive or depressed, this letter is for you. <laughs> and, and really, my initial thought is, which one of you knuckleheads gave them my name right here, right? And it went on to say, your life can be changed for only $49.95 plus $5 shipping and handling. The package that I'm offering you today would normally retail for $199.95. So $49.95 is a wonderful and reasonable price. And then it said immediately after that, I'm not making you any promises. But the last sentence said, I guarantee this will work. <laughs> You know, and, and I'm thinking to myself, who in the world buys this kind of stuff? We do. <laughs> right here. Every one of us in this room buys that kind of stuff. Why? Because we're looking for anything that will change our lives to help us get back in control, and we're willing to pay the price for it. So I've got to ask you this morning, what is it that is out of control in your life? What is it in your life that right now you're having a hard time controlling? Maybe it's your temper. One wife said, my husband is so temperamental, it's 90% temper, 10% mental. <laughs> Maybe that's you. It could be what is out of control in your life is spending or eating or drinking or sexual desires or bad habits. Well, over the next few weeks, I'm going to be preaching a, a short series of sermons that I've entitled Breaking Free, how we can break free from all of this stuff that is messing up our lives. And this morning, I want to begin with kind of a foundation. We're going to talk about the problem, the problem of why can't I change? Paul talked about that here in Romans 7. I know what is right. That's what I want to do. But you know what? Sometimes I just don't do the right thing. How can I change? Then we're going to talk about God's promise, and he makes a promise to give us the freedom that we need, and then the procedure for getting started. So let's start with the problem. 
Paul summarizes the problem right here in Romans chapter 7. Let's read some of these verses again and a few that I didn't read while ago. I think we got 15 up on the screen. Let me read verse 14 before I get to 15. Paul says, so the trouble is not with the law. Okay, And the entire chapter is about the law of God and his inability to keep the law of God. He says, the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. No, the trouble is with me, for I am all too human. I am a slave to sin. And then he says this in verse 15. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I just can't do it. I just can't. I can't, I can't make it happen. How many of you have ever felt that way? You know what is right, you want to do what is right, but sometimes you just don't do the right thing. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. I don't want to do what is bad, but you know what? Sometimes I do what is bad. It reminds me of the cowboy who got saved. And uh, he was trying to describe to his friend the, the struggle he was happening, happening in his life. And he, he told his buddy, his partner, he said, it's kind of like there, there are two horses on the inside of me pulling in opposite directions. And his partner said, well, which one wins? And the cowboy says, the one I say giddy up to. And maybe you know that struggle in your life. It's almost like there is a civil war going on in my heart and in my head. Part of me wants to do what is right. Part of me doesn't want to do what is right. It's kind of like the clash between Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And you know the results of this. They are predictable. The first result of this is confusion. Paul talks about that. Paul says, it baffles me. He says, my behavior baffles me. Why do I keep making the same old mistakes? Why am I resistant to change? Why can't I figure out why I do what I don't want to do? Why do I always act in ways that are bad for me? And you know what that confusion does to us? That confusion leads to frustration. Paul said, I have the desire to do what is right. I just don't have the power to pull it off. Come on. That's good. You know that feeling. I've got the desire to do the right thing. I just don't have the power to do it. You're confused out there. So let me illustrate it with something you can relate to. How many of you have ever been on a diet before? You've gone on a diet. You know this frustration on a diet because you start the morning, you want to do the right thing. You've got a plan. Joy, I'm going to eat six balanced meals today. You know, some of them are just going to be snacks. I'm going to have protein and some nuts. When I get to lunch, I'm going to have tuna and, and broccoli and the things that are good for me. And so you leave the house, you got this great plan, you're on this diet, you're, you're full guns into it, you're, you're going to do the right thing. But then as the day goes on, you know what you start losing? Willpower, <laughs> exactly. And by the end of the day, you're so frustrated, to you at the end of the day, a balanced meal is two Big Macs, one in each hand. Okay? Yeah. Can I hear an amen for that, you know? I mean, to you, that is a balanced meal. I want to change, but I just don't know how. I have the desire to change, but I don't have the power. And, and let me tell you, that is the problem with all these self-help books that are out there. They tell you what to do. They just don't give you the power to do it. 
No self-help book can give you the power to change your life. And so here you are confused, you're frustrated. That confusion and frustration leads to defeat and discouragement. I don't know about you, but I can relate to what Paul said in verse 24. Oh, what a miserable man I am. Or if you read the old King James Version, oh, wretched man that I am. He says, I'm losing the battle. My life is a mess. I'm a failure. I just can't change. There are things in my life that I, that I want to change, but I just don't have the power to do it. I aim for the stars, but I end up in the dirt. Anybody out there? How many of you have ever felt this way? Man, I sure have. I've got good news for you. You can change. There is power to change. It's not your own power. It's the power of God. And that brings me to point number two, God's promise. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. So let's say out loud the words of Jesus. Jesus said, you say it with me, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Notice that the secret to personal change is not willpower. Willpower doesn't work, okay? It, it, it's not fat farms, it's not pills, it's not resolutions, it's not gimmicks. Jesus says the way you break free from a hurt or a hang-up or a habit is by knowing the truth. Now, isn't that interesting? Jesus didn't give us seven steps to take. He didn't tell us to do this or that. He said, if you want to be set free from the habits and hang-ups that are messing up your life, you need to know the truth. Well, how do we do that? God says it all starts with the way that you think. And when you know the truth, that truth will flesh itself out through the way that you live. Get this. Bad beliefs cause bad behavior. Come on, people. <laughs> Isn't that true? Bad thinking causes me to do bad things. Everything you do, whether it's good or bad, is based on a belief. It's based on a value that you are holding, whether you hold it consciously or unconsciously. And if you want to change the way you act, you've got to change the way you believe. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to start thinking in the truth because... Behind every self-defeating behavior is a lie that I'm believing. I'm accepting something that just isn't true. I'm believing something about myself that isn't true. I'm believing something about someone else that isn't true. I'm believing something about God that isn't true. I'm believing something about success or failure that just isn't true. I'm believing something about life that isn't true. I'm believing something about my past that isn't true. I'm looking at the world through tinted, tainted vision. I'm believing a lie. Jesus said, when you know the truth, <laughs> the truth will set you free. 
Today I want to talk with you about three things that you need to get started in believing the truth. These are not all of them, but they're the foundation, okay? If you want the truth to set you free, here's what you need to do. And I'm doing it A, B, C, all right? A, you need to acknowledge the root problem in your life. And guess what? We all have the same root problem, every one of us. Here's the starting point to breaking free. Whatever you want to change in your life, you've got to face this fact. You have to acknowledge the root problem. And most of us have some vague feeling that, you know what, things are just not right with me. I don't know what it is, but I can't put my finger on it. Something in my life is just not right. And God said, here's the basic problem. The basic problem that we all have is a basic attitude towards life and towards God, and towards ourselves, It's a basic attitude, and it's our response towards life in that regard. Regardless of what our problem is, it really ends up with this attitude. And this attitude has a name. It's a word we don't like to hear spoken, especially about ourself. It is politically incorrect to use this word. In fact, a lot of churches have stopped talking about it. It's unhip, it's uncool, it's unsophisticated. You don't want to hear this word, but you need to hear this word. You know what it is? Here's our problem. Here's the root problem, the, the, the problem that all of us have, the attitude that we all have that is wrong. Here it is. You ready? Three letters. S-I-N. That's our problem. It's sin. What is sin? Literally, sin, the meaning of sin, is to miss God's mark, to miss the mark. You say, well, I know what sin is, preacher. Sin is getting drunk or it's getting stoned or it's, it's having an affair with somebody else's wife. No, those are the results of sin. That's sin being fleshed out. Let me tell you what sin is. Sin is deeper than that. Sin is an attitude that says, I'm in charge and I don't need God telling me what to do. That's a basic attitude. And it is the root of all of our problems. No matter what your problem is, behind it is a bedrock foundation that says, I'm in charge and I don't need God. Really, it's not a new problem. It's an age-old problem. It was the problem for Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I'm going to do what I want to do, I'm going to do my old thing, and I don't need God to tell me what to do. If you're believing that lie, let me read 1 John 1, 8. 1 John 1, 8 says, if we say we have no sin, we are just deceiving ourselves. And the what is not in us? The truth is not in us. We make things worse when we pretend there's no problem. You say, well, nobody's perfect. Well, you know what? You're not fooling God when you say that. You're not fooling anybody else. The only person you're really fooling is yourself. When you say, I've got it all together. Who are you kidding, man? No, you don't. I mean, none of us do. If we say we have no sin, we are just deceiving ourselves. So in order to stop defeating myself, I must first stop deceiving myself. In order to stop defeating myself, all of those things that are causing my hang-ups and, and my hurts to grow in my life, I need to get rid of them. I must first stop deceiving myself and pretending that I don't have a problem. And the root problem 
is for you to think that you're in charge and you don't need God. Let me tell you, God didn't make you that way. God made you with this basic need for himself. If you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, the first thing they're going to tell you, the first step of AA is admit that I am powerless to control my situation and my life has become unmanageable. Wow. So the first step for breaking free is to admit it. Yep, I've got a problem. I've got areas in my life that are out of control. I can't control my own life. I've been in charge, and you know what? I just keep coming up with the failure. That's what Paul is saying in Romans 7. I know what is right. I want to do what is right, but sometimes I just can't do the right thing. Jesus said in John 8, 34, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So whatever you refuse to admit is enslaving you. If I won't admit it's a problem, guess what? It's a bigger problem than I know that I have. You say, I feel powerless to change, preacher. I can't get control. I have the desire to change, but I don't have the power. Is there any hope? Yes. It's letter B. <laughs> okay. Letter A is acknowledge the root problem. It's sin. Letter B is believe. You believe in the power of Jesus Christ, that Jesus alone can change you. Romans chapter 7, verse 24, Paul said, Who can free me from the prison that I'm in? In the New Living Translation, it says, Who can free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And in verse 25, he says, I thank God that there is a way out, and the way out is through Jesus Christ. Paul is saying the answer is a person. The answer is a person. God has the power that you're lacking. You, you, you don't have the power? No, none of us do. But God has the power to change us. God's got all the power in the world. And guess what? God wants to change your life. But the only way that can happen is when you trust Jesus and you give Jesus the control of your life. Jesus has the power to change you. I love this story about a Chinese Christian who came to America so that he could give his testimony. Here's his testimony in a nutshell. He said, I was walking down the road of life and I fell into this ditch of sin. Muhammad came along and he said, oh, you're not really in that ditch. You just think you're there. But I was really in a ditch. And then he said, Buddha came along and said, here are seven steps by which you can get out of the ditch. If you climb and struggle, you can come out of the ditch. And so I climbed and I struggled, but I was still stuck in the ditch. And then Confucius came by. And he said, here are ten steps to self-attainment by which you can get out of the ditch. If you will come halfway, then I will come the other halfway, and I will help you out. But struggle as I did, I still remained in the ditch, this ditch of sin, of helplessness and hopelessness. But then one day, Jesus Christ came by. And he didn't say a word. Without speaking a word of advice, he stripped himself of his regal robe, and he got down into the ditch with me, into the muck and mire of my sin. He got down where I was, and he lifted me up. 
thank God what I could not do for myself, Jesus Christ did for me. <laughs> Amen. You can clap. That's a good testimony. That's good news. That is exactly what Paul goes on to tell us in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. There is a way out. His name is Jesus Christ, and he can set you free. Jesus said the truth will set you free, right? The truth will set you free. And then in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the truth. Now you put that together. What sets you free? The truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. He didn't say, I have the truth, or I can point to the truth, or I'm searching for the truth. He said, I'm it. I am the truth that can set you free. And that brings me to C, the third point. Not only do we acknowledge that we've got a problem, and that problem is sin, and B, believe that Jesus can save us from that and give us the power to change. But see, we commit all that we have to Jesus Christ. I commit everything to him. I give him everything, lock, stock, and barrel. I give him the good, the bad, and the ugly. I commit it all to him. And you say, well, preacher, why should I do that? Give me one good reason I ought to do that. Well, how about this? You've tried everything else and nothing's worked. Why not try Jesus? I'll tell you what I told the first service people. I, I, I almost hate to tell you this story, but, but it, it, it relates here. I, years ago, I was sick, and, and I was in the doctor's office. Man, I was sick as a dog sitting there. And You know how they have magazines laying around? What I've noticed here recently is they don't have nearly as many magazines, and all the magazines they have are old ones because they know you're going to be on your phone, right? This was years ago. There's a bunch of magazines, and Man, I was sick as a dog, and, and I wasn't on my phone. I looked over there at the table next to me, and there was a magazine. I, I didn't even notice what magazine it was. I just noticed on the, on the front cover there was this, these bold letters that said, 10 ways to feel better fast. And I felt horrible. Doug, I felt horrible. I was, I was sick. I felt bad. I thought, well, this might be good for me. And so I, so I picked it up, and I turned to the page that the article was on, and, and here are some ways that people cope. In the world with the hang-ups and the hurts and the, the habits that are pulling them down, the article said, how do you cope? Things not quite right in your life? You, you, your feelings, are you feeling your spirit sinking? Try one of these quick pick-me-ups. They're fun, they're fast, and they work. And then I realized, because of what they said next, we interviewed 10 ladies. I, figured, I had a women's magazine I was looking at. Anyway, I had it, so I decided to read it. Here's what they said. Here's how they cope. One of the ladies said, I cure my depression by shopping. I thought, Lord have mercy. Here we go. The other one says, I, fi I find comfort in food. This third one, man, I tell you what, she rocked my world when I read this, and I, it still gives me nightmares when I think about it today. Here's how this third lady coped. She said, my pick-me-up is fantasized revenge. I thought, Lord, have mercy. I'm glad I'm not married to her. Yeah. <laughs> then another said, another lady said, I get a kick out of dressing up my daughter's Barbie dolls. And I almost put the magazine down at that time, but th there were a few additional suggestions that the magazine itself was giving, like this. Number one, reread the first love story you ever read. Number two, get away 
by yourself for a weekend. And number three, clean out your underwear drawer. <laughs> and I did put the magazine down at that point. <laughs> and I thought, I thought what I'm thinking right now. Really? Really? Is, is this the best that the world has to offer? Really? Is, is, is that it? You want to change your life? You want to you break free from the hurts and the habits and the hang-ups that are messing up your life? Just clean out your underwear drawer. <laughs> really? Dude, let me tell you, if you've tried everything else, try Jesus. Because Jesus works. When I read junk like that, I am unashamed to stand before you and tell you that the real answer is a person. His name is Jesus. Does he have the power to change your life? Well, he had power over death and the grave and over sin. If he came out of the grave alive from the dead, he's got the power to change your life. In fact, here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. He can change your life. Hmm. Contrast the advice in the women's magazine to this letter to the editor in Time magazine. Years ago, Time magazine ran an article. It was on the front cover of the, of the magazine, Who Was Jesus? They asked the question, Who Was Jesus, the historical man? And so they invited all these theologians to give their opinion, but the problem is they asked liberal theologians their opinions. And it, they said stuff that you and I, we wouldn't believe at all, okay, about Jesus and, and who he was. A couple of weeks later, a letter appeared to the editor, and I want to read this letter that came to the editor. This guy said, as far as I'm concerned, the liberal theologians can keep their historical Jesus in their cut-and-paste Bibles. I'm a former alcoholic and adulterer who has been set free by the power of Jesus Christ. Who cares about higher criticism when the resurrected power of the Son of God can transform your life right here and right now. Amen. There it is. Dude, you've tried everything else, and nothing has worked. You have tried your own willpower to change, and you can't do it. You can identify with what Paul said in Romans 7. I know what is right, but sometimes I just don't do what is right. Oh, miserable man that I am. Is there an answer? Yes. His name is Jesus. So here's what I got to say to you today. You need to stop trying. Stop trying. And start trusting. Because he can do it.